Lord, as we consider your word, as we consider who you are, as we think about the blessing of your birth, those that gathered around that stable that night, the days of coming, gathered around that little baby and were awed in wonder. Lord, I couldn't help but think this morning as I watched those gather around Eric and Allison's new little Sophie and how they, they looked in awe and wonder at this new life. And yet how much more it must have been that night. Lord, I, I don't know. Did you look different? Or were they just amazed at the message? Lord, may we look with fresh eyes at Bethlehem this month. Lord, would you give us a heart of amazement and wonder at the birth of a little baby who was proclaimed king of the angels. Father, speak into our lives today according to your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're going to do something today that we occasionally around here. We're going to tag team a little. And you're going to get both of us today. Um, we are walking you towards Bethlehem. We are Bethlehem bound this month. And we're doing our best to try to maybe take a little uh, different approach to uh, the major story, to the, to the story of the birth of Christ. Because if you've been in church any length of time at all, you know the story as well as we do. And, and to be honest with you, I don't know that we're all that smart. We can come up with anything to tell you different and new. You probably can tell us some things. Um, but the Lord has given us a, a direction this year. And so we're trying to build the scene for you this year. We began last week with the angel. Um, if you remember the story of the angel coming to meet with Zechariah in the temple and the conversation that went on between the angel and Zechariah and, and as Pastor Mark did such a good job of, of uh, directing us and, and, and pointing us in that, that message, uh, we saw Zechariah's um, bewilderment um, in the midst of all of this and his doubt and his questions and, and we see the whole story that played out um, but we're going to continue to see this angelic influence throughout the whole message of the of the uh, the birth of Christ. I, I, you know, I don't know that I really looked at it that way. You know, you just kind of read through the stories, but but there's just this overpowering angelic influence to this whole message um, of what God has for us. And so, while I don't think either one of us are angels. Um, we do have a message to proclaim, 
um, very similar to what the message of the angels was. So uh, as we continue to walk through the build-up to the birth of Christ, we're going to look at two more individuals today. Um, two of the central characters in the message of the birth of Christ. We look at Joseph and Mary today. And so I'm going to turn things over to Pastor Mark and let him begin with uh, Joseph. It's actually a little backwards from the story because really Mary's dealt with first in Scripture, but we felt we would honor Joseph today a little bit and let him be first. Should also say we didn't practice this because every time we tag team something, when we practice it, the practice goes great. And then on Sunday morning, it, it just kind of hobbles along like a mess. So hopefully if you're seeing it, you're seeing it first, you're seeing the good version of it. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says, uh, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So we, we know four things right away out of this verse. The first thing is that Mary and Joseph, they were engaged. They were, they were pledged to one another legally, so to speak. Uh, they had not come together. That is, they had not been together yet as husband and wife. They had not yet done the thing that husband and wives do to create a child. Mary was found to be with child. So we can take from that, that that perhaps she was starting to show. Perhaps she was she was far enough along that, that this was nothing. Uh, this was this could no longer be kept a complete secret at this point. And the fourth thing we find out is that the conception was from the Holy Spirit, not by man. Now, as we're focusing on Joseph, he knew those first three things for sure. He knew that they were they were pledged to one another, that they were betrothed. He knew that they had not yet been together as husband and wife. And he knew that her pregnancy was now becoming known to be. The fourth thing, we're not so sure about his knowledge of, of that this was from the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that Mary told him that. But as you can imagine, that was probably something that was a little hard for him to believe. I'm sure his reaction was, you know, you can, you can tell me any story you want to. But I'm not entirely convinced that this is that this is what really happened. Now Joseph was probably older than Mary. She was very likely about 13, 14, 15 years old. Culturally, that is when women were married in that time. But for a man to be married, he had to be able to demonstrate that he had the financial ability to care for a family. Doesn't mean he had to be wealthy. Doesn't mean he had to be making a little bit of money. But he had to demonstrate that he was proficient in some sort of a trade, some sort of a way that would allow him to continually earn as time went on. Very likely, a, a man of Joseph's age, he was probably in his mid-20s, 10 years older than Mary. It's very likely he still lived with his parents, but he was demonstrating that he was learning or had learned how to be a carpenter, and people would be able to see that going forward, he would be able to sustain an income that would take care of him and his wife and, and future children. So their engagement was considered legal. They were not legally married. Once they were legally married, they would be allowed to, to live together, to share a bed, to share a living space. They were not married yet, but they were legally engaged. That meant they were obligated to one another. 
and he was faced with the fact that the person he was legally obligated to marry, and she was legally obligated to marry him, they had made this publicly official, she was now with child, and that child was not his. I'm sure if she was far enough along that people could begin to tell, I'm sure there was some gossip going on. And if the gossip hadn't started yet, it was probably pretty close to the time when it would start. People whispering about, you see Mary? Can you see that she is pregnant? Can you see that Mary and Joseph could not wait? What is the matter with them? Don't they know better? We know they know better. So if that wasn't happening, he was, he was in anticipation that that was going to happen. And, and he had been deeply embarrassed by this, I'm sure. Culturally, this would have been devastating for him. He alone knows that he is not the father. So he has got to assume that that means his wife had an affair with somebody. Legally, since they were betrothed, that meant he's got to assume that she has committed adultery. Now he knows that the road ahead is hard because if he stays with her, they'll both be labeled as sinners because they did not wait until they were married. He knows that if he speaks up to kind of clear his name, that means he's throwing her under the bus, so to speak, because she would have had, she would be known then to have committed adultery. That held the death penalty. It was very likely that she would be stoned to death. That was a very possible and probable outcome. If not stoned to death, she would be shunned within the community where she lived. Now, what it, what it meant to be shunned at that time meant she would be, for all intents and purposes, completely ignored. When she would go to the market, if she asked how much something cost, they would tell her how much something cost. But nobody would speak to her and say, good morning, how are you doing? It would just be a business transaction. People wouldn't make eye contact with her. People would not want to socialize with her. She might continue to live with her parents, but they would relegate her and her child to a corner of the house and treat them like they were, like they were servants, treat them like they were tenants, treat them like they were slaves, treat them like they were some sort of, of, of pest infestation. They would be required to exit and enter the house through a, through a side entrance, not used by the rest of the family. She wouldn't be able to eat with the family or socialize with the family or stay in the house if somebody came to visit the family. She'd have to take the child and go out into the yard or go out to the edge of the village. She wouldn't be able to be remarried because, because no man would want to marry her. If somebody did come along to want to marry her, that would be in order to, to claim her as some sort of a slave or as to pull her into some sort of sex trafficking. She didn't have anywhere she could go. It's not like she could just leave the small town in Keystone Heights where there's gossip and, and pack up and take her child to Jacksonville or Atlanta or out to Phoenix because women couldn't go and live alone culturally at that time. So she, she couldn't do that. The only way that she would be able to live on her own would be to sell herself and her child into slavery, into servanthood, or sell herself and her child into prostitution. So Joseph knew that whatever those options he picked, that was kind of the, the road that was laid out in front of her. Verse 19 says, Mary's husband Joseph was a good man, and he did not want to cause her public disgrace, 
So he planned to divorce her secretly. By public disgrace, it doesn't just mean that he was that he didn't want her to become the object of gossip. He didn't want her life to be destroyed. He didn't want her to be stoned to death. He didn't want her to be shunned. He didn't want her to end up as a, as a prostitute or, or in slavery. So he wanted to take care of her. He planned to divorce her secretly. So he was going to allow damage to be done to his own reputation and pick up and take her out of town and, and divorce her quietly, which would mean she couldn't come back to town, but she could live out of town like she was a widow. She wouldn't have to be shunned. She could, she could survive. It would be a very hard life for her and the child, but it wouldn't mean death. It wouldn't mean certain dishonor. Verse 20 says, But after Joseph thought about this, an angel from the Lord came to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to accept Mary to be your wife. The baby inside her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. Give him that name because he will save his people from their sins. All this happened to make clear the full meaning of what the Lord said to the prophet. The virgin will be pregnant and will give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord's angel told him to do. He married Mary. But Joseph did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And he named him Jesus. So he went ahead with the marriage out of obedience to God. Are we, are we grasping the godly character of this young man who went ahead and took damage to his reputation in order to honor what God wanted him to do? He was willing to forego the life he had planned in order to do what God wanted him to do. And he had no way to know how things were going to turn out from there. For all he knew, he was, was marrying into a life of, of chaos. For all he knew, he was agreeing to let God just turn his whole life upside down. But this godly young man said yes to God. And that is why God chose him to be the father. This was not, we talked last week, this was not some sort of spur of the moment plan that God came up with. And God wasn't looking at all the young couples saying, oh, I need, a, I need an engaged young couple. Who should I pick? Oh, here's somebody. Let's, let's pick them. No, he knew what he was going to do for a very long time. And he knew who he was going to use. And he knew Joseph's character. Because as Jesus was raised by Mary and Joseph, his schooling culturally would have required that he spend hours and hours with Joseph. Learning the trade as a carpenter but learning how to conduct himself from Joseph. The hours they spent together, and Jesus would have watched Joseph in business as a carpenter, in trade, dealing with people. Things that Jesus learned about wealthy people, he would have learned by watching Joseph interact with wealthy people as he built things for them. Things Jesus learned about poor people, he would have learned from watching his his earthly father Joseph who was in business who would have had a lot of opportunities to employ poorer people or give to poor people to help poor people he would have learned how to, how to get along with honest people as Joseph did business he would have learned some things about dishonest people 
Because as Joseph did business, there were dishonest people, even back then, that I'm sure Joseph rubbed up against. What did Jesus learn about the character of people as he heard the continued whispers in his life about Mary and Joseph and about the circumstances of how their engagement turned into a marriage? What did he learn about character as he watched how Joseph and Mary handled that? How Joseph handled that? And how Joseph treated him, knowing that he wasn't his son, but that was the son that God had given him to look over. As Jesus prepared for ministry, he would have learned much from the character of spending time with Joseph. And, and the, the last thing I want to point out says Joseph did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Can you imagine being a young man in your mid-twenties, engaged to be married, and, and looking so forward to the wedding night, and then putting that off for months and months as a way to honor God? Talk about being sold out to God as opposed to being sold out to yourself and your own desires. I'm not trying to be crude, but think for a minute about what this meant about Joseph's character and why he was one of the two that God chose for this. I'm going to turn this, this back over to our pastor, who's going to come up and talk for a while. As we talk about the character of Joseph, we want to look at the life of Mary a little bit. Now, there's two particular stories that I want to tie us to this morning. I'll be in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1 is before the birth of Christ. The story last week of Elizabeth and Zechariah and the promise for the birth of John, the one that would be the forerunner of the Messiah, if you haven't already figured this out, John was the cousin of Jesus. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. The Bible tells us that in Luke chapter 1, verse number 26, that during Elizabeth's six months of pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the virgin girl who lived in Nazareth, the town of Galilee. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The same angel that God had sent to Elizabeth and Zechariah, he sends to visit with Mary. And as they gather together um, in, in this meeting together with Elizabeth, we see that there's going to be some context given before she sees Elizabeth. The Bible says that Mary was uh, the, greeting. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, the Lord is with you. You are very special to him. Can you imagine that being the opening conversation with an angel? You are special to God. What, what made Mary so special to God? Was it just she special just because she was the one chosen? Was she special because she was the one engaged to a man who the Bible calls a good man? 
The implication in that passage of a good man was that he was a godly man. As, as Pastor Mark has, has shown us, he was a man of character. A man who had been raised in the Jewish tradition, in the church, in the, in the, uh, the temple, in the synagogue. And, and he was committed to following the law. Was she just a good woman because she was connected to him? I don't think so. The Bible says that Mary was confused about what the angel said, so she wondered, what does this mean? And I love the fact that she wondered that. She thought, what does this mean? What is he saying to me? And the angel, knowing her thinking, said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, because God is very pleased with you. Listen, you will become pregnant and have a baby boy. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. People will call him the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will make him king like his ancestor David. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Begin to try to process that. You're a young woman. You're just being told by an angel that you're going to have a baby. And he is going to be God. Not only that, but he's going to rule the nation of Israel. Mary responds with, how is this going to happen? I'm still a virgin. I've never been with a man. The angel says to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will cover you. The baby will be holy and you will be called, he will be called the Son of God. And here's something else. Your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. They didn't have email. They didn't have cell phones. She lived a ways away. Nobody had written and told her yet that her relative Elizabeth, the one who couldn't have a child, this lady who was older in her life, beyond childbearing, probably normal, was now pregnant. She is very old, but she's going to have a son. Everyone thought she could not have a baby, but she, is, she has been pregnant now for six months. God can do anything. King James says, with, with, with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. And Mary responds to the angel's message with, I am the Lord's servant. Let this thing you have said happen to me. Yes, God. The same exact character quality that Joseph has displayed. Mary displayed. God, I don't understand this. My world just went upside down. You, you can imagine what this young woman must be thinking. The excitement of having the baby. And then the, wait a minute, what are people going to think? All the things that Pastor Mark just talked about that Joseph had to ponder because the conversation with Joseph is she has been obviously pregnant. Maybe the passage that we were reading in, in Matthew was after she comes back from Elizabeth because she goes to be with Elizabeth for three months, the birth of John. I'm assuming she helped with the birth. That's probably why she went. 
I'm sure that is also why God sent her so that she wouldn't go through those first three months alone. She is now with someone else who has had a miracle in her life. Now she comes back. And here's Joseph. A little thin, a little anxious to see his bride or his, his engaged um, fiance. And she comes back and she doesn't look as thin as she used to look. She's got a baby bump. She's been gone for three months. And she comes back pregnant. What do you think she thought? Or he thought? And yet, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Let this thing you have said happen to me. Whatever, God, yes. Yes, God, whatever. Whatever. Now I want you to think for just a moment. What in your life has been turned upside down? What challenges have come to your life where you've said, I don't know, God. I'm not so sure about this. Could it be any greater than what she has just been challenged with? You want to know the character of the earthly mom and dad? Of Jesus, our Messiah? Their character was a character saying yes to God. Whatever comes my way, yes, God. Jump forward to the birth of Christ. Chapter number 2 of Luke. The baby is born in the manger. We know the, the story. The shepherds come to see Jesus. The city is told all about it. And, and we pick up in verse number 21. It says, when the baby was eight days old, he was circumcised. He was named Jesus. This name was given by the angel before the baby began to grow inside of Mary. The time came for Mary and Joseph to do the things the law of Moses taught about being made pure. They brought Jesus to Jerusalem so that he could present himself so that he could be presented to the Lord. Excuse me. It is written in the law of the Lord, when a mother's first baby is a boy, he shall be called special for the Lord. The law of the Lord also says the people must give a sacrifice. You must sacrifice two doves or two young pigeons. So Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem to do this. What I want you to see in this is, is you're talking about a young woman and a young man whose life has been literally turned upside down. They've had time to process this. They've had time to walk through this for months. And now she's had this baby. They have, they've done what they've been required to. They've traveled from their home to the city of Nazareth. And now she's given birth. And they are still following the law of God. They're committed to the, to the word of God. You have to understand what's being, being told of them here. That there was a, a process in the law of Moses for a woman when she had a baby. Now, this is the ceremonial law. It doesn't mean personal. It's the ceremonial law. It had to do with, with a lot of Old Testament stuff that was going on. and Things that were even happening in that day that we don't deal with today 
in the um, antiseptic world that we live in today, um, things are, are a lot cleaner today than they were in those days. And so when a woman had a baby, there was a time that she was quote-unquote ceremonially unclean. She was not able to go back into the temple. I can't tell you I understand this, but it was different for a boy and a girl. If you had a boy, it was a certain amount of days. If you had a girl, it was a certain amount of days. It was twice as long. I don't know what that has to do with anything other than that's what God said. Now, maybe some nurse in the room can tell me that there's something different, but I, I don't see how having a boy baby or a girl baby changes anything about what a woman goes through after birth. But according to God, there was a difference. If you had a boy as your first child, that boy was committed unto the Lord. Remember the story of Samuel being born? His mother was not able to have a child, and she prayed and said, if you will give me a child, I will give him back to you. Well, that, that wasn't a real big gift because she was required to commit him to the Lord. The difference was Hannah took him and gave him literally to the priest. For him to be raised by the priest. But every firstborn boy was supposed to be committed to God. So as her time of, of, of after the birth that she is purified by her separation from, from the temple and able to go in and do the things that a, a person would do at, at ceremonial times and she is made right, then she comes back to a place where she comes to the temple and they're required to give sacrifices. When she comes to the, the in the Old Testament, when you come to the tent of meeting out in the wilderness, you met the priest and you had to begin to give your sacrifices. Um, she had to either give a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering or a dove or a young pigeon for a sin offering. Now, I, again, I don't know why God required a sin offering to be given for having a child. But that was God's requirement. You ever want to have fun, go back and read the book of Leviticus. Man, there's a lot of pigeons and a lot of doves and a lot of bulls and a lot of goats. And, and that was the constant reminder of the need for a sacrifice so that you could be right for God. Right with God. What is being born today in this story? And I said what? Intentional. Not who, what? A sacrifice was being born. You can't miss the story of what's being born. This is a sacrifice is being birthed. A lamb for the slaughter. Mary is birthing your sacrifice. My sacrifice that will take away the sin of the world. We, we don't have an altar set up here. Pastor Mark and I don't have our carving knives out. We, we don't have to offer goats and bulls. That offering has been made some 30 years later on a hill called Calvary where literally thousands were crucified. Maybe tens of thousands. And yet one in the midst of that was a sacrifice that was birthed by a man and a woman who said, yes, God, 
Do you think they could see? Do you think they had any idea of what that meant? I don't think they did. When they went to the temple, they ran into two people. They ran into a, an older lady who was a prophetess. She had been married for seven years. Her husband died and she committed herself to the temple day and night. Her name was Anna. She, and they ran into a priest, an old priest named Simeon. When they ran into Simeon, this is what the scripture said. He was a good man who was devoted to God. He was waiting for the time when God would come to help Israel. The Holy Spirit was with him. The Holy Spirit told him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah from the Lord. The Spirit led Simeon to the temple, so he was there when Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to do what the Jewish law said they must do. Simeon took the baby in his arms and thanked God, Now, Lord, you can let me, your servant, die in peace. I have seen with my own eyes how you will save your people. Now all people will see your plan. He is the light to show your way to the other nations. He will bring honor to your people Israel. Jesus' father and mother were amazed at what Simeon had said about him. They had been through nine months of angel visits and miraculous pregnancy and a birth. And they're amazed. Still, at what's happened. Because for them, this was the birth of a baby. A birth of their son. Could they comprehend the depth of what this meant? Then Simon blessed them, or Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, I want you to listen to this. Many Jews will fall. Many will rise because of this boy. He will be a sign from God that some will not accept. So the secret thoughts of many will be made known. And the things that happen will be painful to you. Like a sword cutting through your heart. And she said yes. I want to tell you something. Not everything that God is going to bring in your life is going to be easy. It may be like a sword that cuts through your heart. But God has purpose. God has a plan. And God has a, a reason why you're here. And He has a purpose for you to do. And the question for you today, as a man or a woman, is will I follow the pattern of the mother and father of the saints and say yes to what God said. There's a day, 30 some odd years later, where Jesus Christ, the son of Joseph and Mary, is in a garden with his best friends, his disciples. And he looks up to the Father in heaven. And he says, if it's possible, God, let this cup pass for me. I don't want to do this if I don't have to. And yet knowing what must be done, he said, but your will be done.
I think from an earthly perspective, Jesus the boy learned to say yes to the Heavenly Father from a mom and dad who were obedient in the small things, in the miraculous things, in the routine things that God called them to every day. I gotta tell you, we got some young parents in this room. You want to make a difference in the lives of your children? Say yes to God in the miraculous things. Say yes to God in the small, everyday things. Say yes to God in the routine, the boring, the day in and day out. Because God's got a purpose and a plan for your life as well. Pastor Mark, come up and finish this up. So what we've, we've really got here, our pastor said that up so nice, is I think kind of the difference between theory and action. You know, do you listen to the descriptions of life in, in Bible times and the people who led those lives, and do you think, oh, that's a nice story. Oh, good for them. Oh, they were so godly. Oh, they did what God wanted them to do. That's so great because we got this great Bible story out of it. And it's so nice that there are godly people around who say yes to God. You know, do you, do you treat it like something on TV, like you're watching a superhero save the day, or a smart police detective solve the crime, or a brave soldier who, who saves everybody? Or are you thinking not in theory, but are you thinking in terms of action? Do you, do you see this story from Scripture? And you say, you know, how can my life conform to God's standards so that He can use me? How can I reach a point where I say yes to God so enthusiastically that I'm willing for Him to turn my life upside down so that I can serve His plans and His needs? The Nativity is not just a cute Christmas story. It is a very cute Christmas story, but that's not all it is. It's so much more. It's a blueprint about how God chose and used ordinary people who had extraordinary faith in order to transform not just the lives around them, but to ultimately transform the entire world. We're, we're in Keystone Heights, Florida, and we're still talking about it thousand years later. So are you admiring this event? Like you're in a museum and it's kind of behind some sort of velvet rope? Oh, it's so pretty. It's so nice. Look at that. It's so perfect. Isn't it nice that it's here for us to admire? Or are you heeding the words from Scripture where, where in Ephesians it talks about put on the full armor of God so that you will be ready to serve as He expects? Are you looking at God saying, I'm ready. And I'm ready to do the things that will get me even more ready. Because I'm willing to be used by you. I'm ready to say yes to what you want. Even when that transforms my life in a way that I'm not crazy about. Even when that cuts things out of my life that I really enjoy. 
even when it puts things into my life that are kind of like that sword being stabbed into us. Is the nativity just theory for you? Or is it a call to action? As, as we pray, I'd like you to do something just a little different than we, than we do. If, if Jamie could kind of wave at everybody. Everybody sees Jamie over there. Eric and Allison kind of wave. Zach and Danielle. Rob and, and Ariana, who such, put such a great job with our children's ministry. We are... My wife and I thank God for you every day. Keeps me from being upstairs and having to, having to do it. And I am not as gifted as you are at it. We've got the, the young parents in here. Madison, go ahead and wave at us in the back. She's so quiet back there, we sometimes it's easy to forget that she is there. But I'd like you to look around, look at the children, look at the parents in the room. Would you pick somebody? out of that, those group that we just looked at and just kind of commit to praying for them this week? That they will say yes to God as parents? That they will be raising their children ready to say yes to God? Will you join me in prayer right now? Father, Lord, we all need a reminder that we need to be willing to say yes to you. Because Lord, in so many ways, it is just so easy either say no to you or to say yes but later not right now Lord Lord it takes courage to say yes it takes faith to say yes and Lord we all need more of that so Lord I pray for opportunities for us to gather more of that this week into each of our lives Lord I pray so much for these parents that are there raising young children Lord I pray so much for these young children as, as they go through life with all of its temptations and, and all of its snares and all of its traps. Lord, I pray that as a church, that as a, a Christian family, that we would honor you by standing before you in prayer for these families. Lord, I pray that we would each be willing to move closer to being the person who says yes enthusiastically to having our lives changed for you. And maybe not changed in ways we're going to enjoy, but changed in ways that honor you so that you can use us to fulfill your will. Lord, I pray that in this season, as, as we get so distracted by all of the stuff going on this time of the year, and, and, and Lord, so much of that is good stuff. But Lord, keep us focused on the nativity, on what it really meant, on that living sacrifice that came through that manger so that our relationship with you stays first and foremost in our lives and that this season doesn't become about anything other than the sacrifice on the cross and the part that you have called each of us to play as we continue the message of the cross in our culture today. Lord, I just pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.